Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy, and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 242. So this is a rare recording on a Saturday. (laughs) I am recording this on Saturday, May 27th, 2023, and this is going to go live on Monday, Monday, which is Memorial Day here in the United States. Uh, That's the 29th. And the reason it's weird that I'm recording on a Saturday is because usually I record on Thursdays and that gives my podcast producer time to get the episode posted. But if you are a listener of the podcast, you know that last week I was in Italy because I've been talking about it for a while. And if you follow my Instagram and my Instagram stories, you saw all week I was avidly posting about my trip. And so that's why I'm recording on Saturday because I got back last night and I wanted to just start out whether you watched my stories or not. I just wanted to start out by number one, letting you know that the trip was coordinated through a company that's run by two yoga teachers that I know. And I just want to give a shout out to them. I'm actually going to have them on the podcast in the near future because I want to dive deeper into why they started this company, what the mission is, share a little bit more with you about what they do. What I want to do now, though, is just give them a little shout out as a participant in one of their programs, because this retreat was so above and beyond any experience I've ever had in terms of yoga travel. And they're just so wonderful. I want to give you their name as a resource um, when you're making your next travel plan, or even if you're just listening to this and you're thinking, wow, I would love to do something like that. Go on a yoga travel retreat. So the name of the company is On Point Yoga Adventures. And I'm actually just looking them up on Instagram now to give you their actual. So their handle on Instagram is on point one word yoga adventures. And there's an underscore in between each word. So it's on point underscore yoga underscore adventures underscore. And it's a travel company and they travel all over the world. Lauren Dunn and Molly Casto run the company and we just had the most amazing time. I'm actually considering going to their next one, which is in Montana, because that's another place on my bucket list I want to go. And especially when Molly said we were going to be riding horses, I'm like, I love horses. I grew up, I don't want to say I grew up riding horses, but I did grow up around horses and did take lessons. And I just absolutely love 
courses. So I'm really interested in that one. Um, but this particular retreat was run so well, every little detail was handled. And all I had to do was show up, get myself there. And from the minute they had um, the person pick me up at the airport with my two friends who came with me, every single thing we did was mapped out for us. And it was amazing. I don't know if you've ever been to Italy. We went to Tuscany. We stayed at a villa called Il Racone. And I mean, I could go on for an hour about all the different things we did. I don't want to go into it in massive detail here, um, mainly because I know sometimes when people come back from vacation and they show you all their pictures, people listening get really bored after a few minutes. So I don't want to potentially bore you with the details. I will say, though, that there were so many parallels that I wasn't expecting happening um, just with the retreat and the things we were doing, there was a really nice blend of doing yoga, doing meditation, doing journaling, doing some group conversation. There were 14 women there and traveling. So it wasn't all travel or all yoga or never leave the house. I mean, we did a lot. And at the same time, it felt really balanced. For me, I was amazed. If you've ever been to Tuscany, you know this. If you haven't, let me just share with you for a second. There is so much open space in Tuscany. It's mind-blowing. There, from what I understand from one of our travel guides, back to when sharecroppers owned the land or worked the land, there still are thousands of acres of protected land that was handed down from those ancient times. And so it's just rolling hills as far as the eye can see. And coming from the United States where every piece of land is developed and overdeveloped, it was just, just for the nervous system to be driving around and seeing rolling hills as far as you could see. It was like the surface of the moon. It was unbelievable and so beautiful. The staff prepared us food and the uh, one day we went out to eat. We had such an amazing array of fresh food, cooked, home cooking, and all of the sightseeing we did. It just was unbelievable to me. Some of the places we went where the buildings and the stories were thousands of years old, just really, it's not so much that it puts things in perspective. It's, it's more that you just open your eyes to this wonderment of, another place that you've never been and just the people's experiences living there. And certainly when you're in a place where things are thousands of years old, one of the villages we went to was 3000 years old. It's just mind blowing. The thing that really touched me though, out of everything we did was one of the nights they had asked a local astronomer from the University of Siena, and Siena is a town in Tuscany, to come and speak to us about how to read the stars. And this was definitely something that I did not expect to be part of the week. And when they said, oh, before dinner, um, Alessandro, I'll have to look up his name, uh, is going to come and speak to us about how to read the stars, I thought, okay, that sounds cool, <laughs> you know? And it wasn't like that was on my bucket list of something to do. 
But I didn't realize until he arrived that and started to speak with us that in this part of Tuscany where we were staying, it's so underdeveloped. And I don't mean that in a way like there's not there's not structures. I mean, of course, people live there and it's a very functional city. It's just that because of what I stated before, there just isn't a lot of, it's not a very big city. And so for stargazing, it's perfect because there aren't a lot of city lights that interrupt your view of the sky. And so Alessandro came in um, and started to give us a presentation about how to read the stars. And he started with this story about when he was a boy and he was 12 years old, he was fascinated with the stars and he would go out every night. He grew up, of course, in Italy and Tuscany, and he would teach himself how to read the stars simply by looking at the sky. This was, you know, he's the same age as me, 58. This is before YouTube. This is before online resources to teach you how to do stuff like this. So he would buy a book or go to the library and get a book. And he would use the diagrams in the book and then look up at the sky. And he was so, so passionate about stargazing and understanding the constellations. And fast forward to now, and he's the director of the astrology, astronomy department at the University of Siena. And he's dedicated his life to, to this field. And he is, he's done TED Talks. He has written groundbreaking breaking papers uh, on uh, the environment and the stars and constellations and, and discovering different things in the sky. And he was telling me at one point or telling us at one point that when he originally enrolled in college, he was studying to be a computer science engineer or originally enrolled in computer science, but he had never forgotten about his love for astro astronomy. And so he kind of started in a different area and then found his way to making his passion his full-time work. And for me, that story was so, um, it was so not just, more, it was more than touching. It was so telling because when I think of myself, my love for yoga, my love for yoga teaching, my love for anatomy, and how I've created this business of living what I love to do as what I do. And I also didn't initially start out in this area. I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist. And I started out studying to be a physical therapist, training to be a physical therapist in undergrad. And then I switched and got my undergrad in rehab counseling because I thought I don't want to just work with the bones and the limbs. And then I ended up working on the business side of healthcare. So I, like Alessandro, had a different path initially, but I never lost my love for movement and the human body. And it wasn't until I took my first yoga class that I realized this is what I want to do. This is it. Teaching yoga. This is a great blend of all that I love. And so when he shared his story, it resonated so deeply with me. And in this little town in Tuscany, hearing him speak, and then we went out and looked through the telescope and I saw the moon through a telescope and the Big Dipper and Venus, it was amazing. And the moral of the story for me 
is that it reinforced that it's so important that we explore and take the time to explore what is our true dharma? What do we want to do with our lives? What are our values? What lights us up? And when we share from that place, we are magnetic and we are in unison with the universe in an energetic way that is unlike anything else. And to bring this back to you and to bring it somewhat back to earth, no pun intended, um, think about yourself as a yoga teacher. And when you initially started to think about enrolling in a teacher training, what was that initial spark that made you do that? Because for many teachers, it's something in their lives that had them finding yoga and helping them that they found was the catalyst to wanting to enroll in a teacher training and to wanting to teach and wanting to share that with other people. You know, whatever your story is, I want you to really take the time and explore that more, articulate it more, share it with people, connect to it, because in that story lies in so many ways your magnetism as a teacher, because that's where your passion is, right? And for every yoga teacher, it's going to be different. I've talked to yoga teachers who've had physical problems that yoga has helped, mental problems that yoga has helped, a family member who they've helped with yoga, and that sparked the desire to be a teacher. Whatever the story is, it's connecting to that. And in that is where is that there, there is that nugget of inspiration for you that would that lit the spark that will be the the kind of the cavern from what you can pull when you are teaching, so that you can be in that most magnetic place for your students. And it doesn't have to feel like you're trying to be that person. You just are that person. And so I hope that that sort of pulled it all together for you from this story about Alessandro. And I will definitely um, get you his reference information because he's on YouTube and it's just absolutely, Mm -hmm. he's an absolutely amazing person. And especially if you are interested in learning about the stars, he's a great, um, great person to follow. And he is on Instagram and Facebook as well. So I'm back from Italy. I had a really long journey back yesterday. We left at five in the morning and I landed at nine o'clock at night, which was really six hours ahead. So I was traveling for almost 20 hours straight. And when I got home, it was so great to see the dog. Great to see Ben, of course. And so I'm back now and it's here in the U.S. Memorial Day weekend. So there is a holiday weekend. I'm going to get all caught up. And then this episode will post on Monday And then Monday will be kind of getting back into the rhythm of things. So what I wanted to do, number one, is I wanted to share that update with you just because it's such a fun personal story of of travel and also that story of passion and purpose. And I wanted to start out our conversation today talking a little bit more about the benefits of yoga and how we can share that with our students. I talked about this in a couple of episodes back. And what had me thinking about this was something from my travel yesterday. Um, When I was getting to the airport in Italy, in Rome, to take my trip, 
my the first leg of my trip home because I flew Rome to Philly and then I flew Philly to Boston. When I got to the airport and got to the gate in Rome, there were no chairs left and our flight was completely full. And when I walked to the gate and I quickly scanned the area and I saw that there wasn't any place for me to sit, I just sat on the floor. I didn't even think twice about it. And I sat on the floor and I kind of started to go through my bag. I had something to nibble on and you know, was scrolling through my phone and just sort of checking my carry on. And I noticed there were a lot of older people waiting. And we had noticed quite a lot of Americans that were older walking around Italy and all the places we went. So whether there was, I don't think there was a cruise, but it just seemed like a really busy time for people to be starting to travel from the US over to Italy. And there were a lot of older couples. And I noticed at the, at the waiting area or at the gate there, there were a lot of older couples and then more older couples kept coming. And when they saw there was no place to sit, they were just kind of standing and some of them had canes and, you know, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't give up a seat. I didn't have one. And it reminded me in that moment of a podcast episode I had listened to with Dr. Peter, Peter Atia. Uh, on the, I think he was on the Rich Roll podcast when he was talking about this. And even when he was on Dr. Huberman's podcast, he talked about uh, longevity. And he was talking about, in his mind, one of the things he wanted to do when he mapped out his plan for his life ahead, and he's probably in his mid 50s, is he always wanted to be able to sit on the floor and play with his grandchildren. And I don't even think he has any grandchildren at this point. He has children. But he was talking about that as something that to him was really, really important. He never wanted to be, as he aged, the kind of person who couldn't sit on the ground and get up, sit on the ground, play with his grandchildren, then get up off the floor. And I was thinking of when he was saying that, and it struck me when he said it, because I thought that's such a great way to take movement and physical movement and joint health and mobility and boil it down to a skill that is so heart-centered and meaningful. I mean, when we talk about someone getting up from a chair or someone getting up unassisted from the floor, and I don't know about you, but I have absolutely had people in my yoga classes who have had difficulty laying on their back and getting up, laying on their stomach and getting up, laying on their side and getting up. And it was such a beautiful expression of how a movement-based skill ties to something that's a life value, being able to sit on the floor and play with your grandchildren. And when I think about my parents, I mean, my parents are able to do that. And I'm so grateful that they have been diligent in taking care of their bodies and they're both in their eighties and they both could sit on the floor and play with Zoe and get up unassisted. And it made me think about when I was in the airport, just sitting on the floor and how grateful I was that I could do that. And there are people in my yoga classes who are younger than me and who for various reasons have difficulty doing that, getting up from sitting on the ground. And so this is what I mean about a benefit and sharing a benefit of yoga. It's not always through the lens of the postures. You know, the postures are the, 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 the framework that we're using as yoga teachers. And we're so grateful and that we have this. I'm so grateful that we have this framework to, to share. And 
there's so much more that doing the poses allows our students to do. And the more we can lean into that and lean into that, not even messaging, but lean into the how it is more helpful, the more we can share the benefits with our students. And I almost feel like it's our obligation to do that because for many of our students, they'll come to our classes and whether it's online or in person, and they'll be looking at it as I'm quote, doing yoga, I'm going to yoga class. And yes, of course they're doing that. And if we are simply there sharing cues, that's pretty much what they're going to leave with. I did yoga. I did yoga today. I practiced yoga today. Is there an opportunity for us though? And I believe there is to share even this example I'm sharing with you now, how when you have them on the floor on their back, maybe after back bends, and you have them come up to standing, to use that as a chance to share with them that that's a mobility skill. Or if you take them from chair pose and have them sit deeper, deeper, deeper in chair until they sit on the ground and then have them try to sit up without using their hands. That's an opportunity to share this particular mobility skill with them. So that's just one example. I want you to think of other examples where you can share the benefit of yoga with your students in a seamless way in your classes, in a way that doesn't feel like you're lecturing them, in a way that is just kind of seamlessly weaved into the action cues, the alignment cues, the anatomy cues, the feeling-based cues, whatever kinds of cues you're using, how you can weave those benefits in. It reminds me also of another conversation I had with a teacher in my program where she was struggling to set rates for her privates. And she was feeling like she wanted to charge 50 bucks or so. And I was really encouraging her to charge at least $125 per hour. And she was struggling with how she could justify the value that she was providing at that rate. And so we started to talk about the benefits of yoga practice. And I won't go into all the detail just for time purposes. Suffice it to say that if you really start to map out the benefits that someone gets from a health and mobility perspective, or you can put mobility under the umbrella of health perspective, doing yoga practice, you can start to draw some parallels or make the case that by doing yoga, they are preventing or setting themselves up to prevent other problems down the road from a health perspective. And of course, that's going to only increase the more yoga they do. And that doesn't mean they have to do five times a week privates with you. It means that maybe they see you once a week and then you're giving them things that they can do on their own until you see them again. The point is, when we really start to look at the benefits of yoga, we can really start to make some cases for how preventative yoga can be from a cardiovascular standpoint, a mobility standpoint, a flexibility standpoint, joint health. You know, there's lots of different things that we can bring up that live in the clinical medical world. And it's not to say you won't have any of these problems or problems with any of these systems in your body if you practice yoga. However, it's part of good health and good preventative health. And so this ties back to when we think about charging for our private yoga classes, 
how we can start to feel more comfortable that what we are providing is a really valuable service that has huge implications for the health of the person doing yoga. And so that's just one aspect of how the benefits of yoga ties to, you know, you as a yoga teacher and, and how you can bring these things to light when you're teaching, not so much, you know, the financial piece of what you're charging for your privates is just an, another example of how we can, how we can understand the benefits and have that tie into that piece. What I really wanted to say though, is more of just speaking to the benefits and making that part of what you are sharing with your students so that your classes really stand out from other teachers as opportunities for your students to learn about the benefits of yoga and start to find what benefits are meaningful to them. So that brings me to the second topic I wanted to speak about on this episode, and that has to do with style of yoga. It got me thinking to a conversation I recently had with a different teacher who is in my program, and she had called me and said, hey, I want to talk to you because I'm applying for this position in this uh, studio in my area, and they asked me what style of yoga I teach, and I'm not quite sure how to answer that. And she described how she had taken a 200 hour teacher training with a studio. I think she said maybe she wasn't 100% familiar with the studio. Maybe it was online. I apologize. I don't remember the details. The, the point though, is that the teacher running the 200 hour teacher training wasn't really, um, she didn't have her own style of yoga. She hadn't you know, created her own method of teaching yoga. And she wasn't really using uh, terminology that was in the yoga industry as a quote unquote style. So this teacher that I was speaking to wasn't sure how to describe her classes from a style name perspective. And so we talked a little bit about how her teaching what it looks like, what it feels like if someone were to meet her in a coffee shop and say, hey, what are your classes like? How she would describe them. And we were able in going through that exercise to come up with, you know, under the umbrella of Hatha yoga, a description of what her classes are like. And, you know, this sort of lends itself to some of the detail pieces of if you're going to write on a website, what your class description looks like, if a studio you're working for, has a description on their website for your class, what you would say so that a student looking up your class online would have an understanding of what the experience would be like. And I always like to give that example of if you run into somebody at Starbucks, how would you describe your class if they said, hey, I'd love to come to your class. What can I expect? That definitely should be something that you feel comfortable sharing and that lights you up when you share it and that it comes easy to you. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, I don't know what I would say. It's really, really important that you are comfortable in sharing what someone would experience if they came to your class. And remember, we want to do that in a way that's understandable, that's easy for somebody to understand. We don't want to use a lot of inside terminology. We want it to be the kind of thing that Anybody will understand when you describe your class what to expect. And so this leads me into what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is the following question. Are you teaching a style of yoga that resonates with you? 
are you teaching a style of yoga that resonates with you? Because honestly, sometimes teachers take trainings because it happens to fit their schedule or they happen to like the person leading the training or whatever the situation is. And then they go through the training and they start teaching that style of yoga and they realize, you know what? I don't think I really want to teach this. I don't think I want to teach hot yoga or I don't want to teach power yoga or I wish I could teach restorative or yin. You know, they kind of feel a pull to do something different. And so the reason I wanted to speak about this is number one, if that's where you're at, it's a really important thing to get to the bottom of because there's nothing worse than teaching a style of yoga that doesn't feel like you, you, that doesn't resonate with you, that doesn't feel like you, that you don't connect well with it. You want the style of yoga you're teaching to feel like it lights you up. And this gets back to what we were talking about before to feel like you love sharing this style of yoga. And I don't want to get too much into the names. I mean, I think some of what I described before, whether it's restorative or yin or power or hot yoga, I mean, these are all just sort of general terms. I think the important thing is for you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am 100% teaching in a way that is perfect for me. Because remember, if that's not where you're at, you're already trying to push the boulder up the hill. You want to be teaching a style that resonates with you so that it's all downhill, so that it's all about momentum, so that you don't have to worry at all about the what and the scenario of how the yoga is, because there are so many other things that yoga teachers end up struggling with, worrying about their confidence, imposter syndrome, how to cue, I don't understand anatomy. It's taking me hours to build my sequences. I don't want to be practicing my class, but I feel compelled to practice because I think they're all visual learners. All these things are just beliefs or lack of skills. All these things are the things that I work on when I work with teachers inside my program, because they're all the things that once solved it's pure gold. It's pure joy. It's pure bliss. It's pure, pure teaching, effortless teaching. And that kind of thing doesn't need to take years to get to. It just takes the right knowledge and the right skills and learning those two things. But the last thing you want to do is overlay on top of all of that, teaching a style of yoga that doesn't fit with you. So I wanted to bring this up as a topic to number one, see if that hits home for you. Are you teaching a style of yoga that's a good fit? If you're not, and you're not sure what to do or what options you have, I want you to send me a DM, reference this episode, let's hop on a call and we'll figure it out together. I am really great at helping teachers through problems like this, and I can help you come to a better plan for how you can make a shift and what those options might look like. Um, If you do find that you know the style of yoga you want to teach and it's different from what you're teaching now, well, that's another thing that you might want to talk through with me so that we can come up with a plan for, well, how are you going to get there? Because it's not like you're just going to flip the switch and just automatically be teaching the style that you want. But it's definitely the sort of thing that left unaddressed will oftentimes just have you resenting the classes you have. You really want to love 
teaching. And I can't, I can't emphasize that enough, especially because, you know, not for me, because I do this full time, but for many people, and I don't know if this is your situation, if you're working full time and teaching on the side, the last thing you want is for that on the side passion to be something that's just a drain, just a drag. You want it to be, I leave my nine to five and I love that I get to teach tonight, right? Who wants to go teach a style that doesn't resonate with them or who wants to have to spend all their free time uh, planning for their class? Like you just want that to be effortless. So if that is a situation that, you know, is speaking to you and that it's not in the place you want it to be just in general, you're working full time and your teaching on the side has become a drain and a drag, not something that you look forward to. That's also something I want you to contact me about. Just reference this episode, reference that scenario. You can send me a DM on Instagram and let's, let's talk through it because that's another thing I've seen teachers quit teaching because they just haven't taken the time to solve the problem. They've hoped that it's going to go away. It doesn't go away. And again, that's that's a real loss. People in your community need you to teach yoga. People, you know, in all communities need people to step up and teach yoga because it's such a wonderful practice. We've talked about the benefits. And again, remember, community could be online. It doesn't have to be in person anymore. So those were the topics I wanted to share with you for today. I want to wrap up by mentioning, I'm recording this at the end of May, June 1st, I'll be opening another enrollment for my certification program. This is my program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. It's just that over the past couple of months, I've really been leaning more into sharing with you the benefits from a certification standpoint to enrolling in my program and working with me. Certification is different from what you get when you take your 200-hour teacher training. When you take your 200-hour teacher training, you earn a registration status with Yoga Alliance. That's the registered yoga teacher 200-hour registration. That is not a certified yoga teacher. Even though many people out there in the world graduate from their 200-hour teacher training and they run around and they say, I'm certified, I'm certified. You're not certified. You're a registered yoga teacher. What certification means is that you're working either one-on-one or in some one-on-one capacity, meaning you might be part of a group program, but the teacher running that program, the senior teacher running that program is doing one-on-one work with you to make sure you're learning, to make sure you're learning the skills, to make sure that, you know, either through testing or Um, demonstration of teaching skills that you're getting it. And what you get when you receive a certification, when you earn a certification is you get the validation that you are learning. And then what other people get when they see that you're certified is they get the comfort level that you've taken the extra step. And in the yoga industry, All, for the most part, teachers have their registry status with Yoga Alliance, but not many are certified. And so you can sort of think of it as undergrad and graduate school. When you go to graduate school, it demonstrates that you're taking an additional step to go deeper. And keep in mind, in the yoga industry, yes, there's 300 hours and there's 500 hours. However, hours-based programs 
don't always include what I'm describing, which is that one-on-one attention from the senior teacher running the program to make sure you're learning through testing your knowledge, through having you do um, teaching demos with them so that they can experience your teaching. That's part of my program. So when you enroll in my program, you are getting, and when you finish the program, you earn your certification in anatomy and teaching skills. And you can share that with maybe a potential employer who uh, who is looking at you to, to teach for them. Um, or if you're out there in the world and you're creating your own opportunities to teach in different places, you can share with them that you're not only a registered teacher, you're also a certified yoga teacher. And at the end of the day, you know, the other important piece is that you now have the knowledge and the skills and the confidence. And I always include the confidence and we can't measure confidence, like we can't test for confidence, but I know that you know what it feels like when you do something confidently. And if right now you don't have that confident feeling when you teach, that's okay. It can be built. It can be sewed. It can be grown, that feeling. Uh, and that's a big part of what happens when I work with yoga teachers, with my momentum magic method, that method of coaching you, of working with you one-on-one helps you build that confidence. And um, so I wanted to share that with you. If you're interested, as I'm talking about this, uh, in earning your certification, I have a really short and easy application process to get to know you a little bit better. And from there, we hop on a call and I just make sure that you're a good fit and I can definitely help you. And that's uh, the way the process goes. So after listening to this, if you're interested, just send me a DM on Instagram with the word certification. And I'll tell you uh, what the application questions are. I'll share that with you. And then we can go from there to the next step of hopping on a quick call. So I love, love that you're still here listening. Thank you so much. And thank you for being a listener. If you have any questions from this episode, send me a DM on Instagram. And also, if you have a question that you would like to be featured in a future episode, include that as well, that that I'm, you know, when you send me your question, include that I can share it on the show, because I bet your question is a question that someone else has. So I'd love to, with your permission, share your question on the next episode of the podcast. And that's always kind of fun when you hear your question, when you're a listener in a follow-up episode. So include that. So thank you so, so much for listening. And I will be chatting with you again on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time 
writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days, I want you to DM me, confident teacher, heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.